0: All right, welcome to the, what we're going to call initially, the Nomadic Gregors Travel Podcast. I'm Cameron. I'm Anna. And we don't have any intro music or anything like yet, but it'll probably be something like bum boom, bum boom, bum boom, bum 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 bum.
1: What is that even supposed to be? I
0: don't know, making stuff up. <laughs> OK, so we are two international teachers who have lived abroad for the better part of 10 or 11 years. Um, It depends on which one of us you're talking about. Together around, well, again, it varies because what's abroad for me is not necessarily abroad for you.
1: Absolutely. So we have lived in a mixture of abroad for him and not abroad for me, and abroad for me and not abroad for him, and then abroad for both of us. So overall, we've been...
0: What's been abroad for you and not for me?
1: Washington.
0: I I guess the U.S. technically.
1: Washington. I had never been to the West Coast before I went to school. Okay. We're jumping ahead. Stop.
0: Okay, go ahead. Keep going.
1: So, for the past about eight years or so, that's when Abroad Together really started and when we started um, working as international teachers and where the larger part of our lives abroad have taken place, which have taken us um, to now our fifth country? Fourth country.
0: Uh, together fourth country technically yeah Yeah, fourth country technically together
1: so today we're largely just here to introduce ourselves tell us a little bit of who we are and why we are so passionate about traveling and exploring all the different versions of traveling and living abroad that there are now and what that looks like for people like us and for people different than us
0: so yeah we have a vague agenda for this podcast It's um, as I said it's vague anyway so we'll start with a little bit more about who we are okay so again my I'm Cameron um, and without giving too much detail I'm from the US grew up in Washington State um, Seattle more or less and I decided to become a teacher and at first I'd never left the country before I was 20 and then I went to Cambodia and Thailand and Hong Kong at a friend's invitation. And from there, it was just kind of downhill into travel. Um, just jumped right in. You know, I initially did all the tour stuff, like, oh, yeah, I booked a tr- through a travel agent. This was also 2006, so there was no Airbnb, no kayak yet. Paper,
1: um, plane tickets, like full-on paper that came in a little pouch and,
0: yeah. That too. So. After that, you know, I, I was in college, I was 20, and I went and studied abroad in Russia, got to do some extra traveling there, and then um, took a trip back to Europe, to England, to France with a friend, and then graduated, decided I was gonna be a teacher because that's what my friend in Hong Kong did, and that's sort of where I'm at. You know, I graduated um, with my teaching degree, and uh, during the second part of my master's, I went to, back to Russia, to a little place called Ilista, in the region, Krai, whatever the proper term is, called Kalmykia, it's in central Russia between the Black and Caspian seas. Um, and I'd already met her by this point, but she was back in the U.S. And that was sort of my first kick into international teaching, in a sense, but I was really just teaching English, and I wasn't very good at it, if we're being honest. Anyways, from there, um, she ended up going back to the Dominican, her home country, Dominican Republic. And that's where I had my first real teaching job in grade four. So we lived there for a few years, and then we moved on to, well, I'll stop there and let her take over.
1: All right, so I'm Ana. I was born and raised in the Dominican Republic, um, the youngest of three sisters. I started traveling with my family when I was five. I don't remember a whole lot about that trip. I do remember that we went to Disney World and it was a little after Cinderella had come out. So Cinderella was a big part of the parade. I remember walking a lot. We also went to New York in that trip. um, And of course, it left a really, really big impression on me and started a long affair with cities and tall buildings that continues to this day. Um, So we continue traveling every couple of years to the east coast of the US where my parents had family um, but nothing really that I decided of course because I was a kid um, and then well we'll fast forward until I was 24 and I came to graduate school to the US specifically to the west coast I had never been there was not familiar with the darkness and the rain and how different the east coast is from the west coast how much greenery there is so there was definitely some culture shock there I met Cameron uh, through a mutual friend Um, we started a relationship I went back to the Dominican when I finished my degree Um, at the time I was working in nonprofit organization management so I went into that not really thinking about being a teacher at all although being a teacher is a part of my family history my father was a math teacher and astronomy teacher was a school administrator for a number of years, but I never really considered it. I never thought I was capable of doing it. Then, in 2013, we moved to China, and my nonprofit board became a little more difficult to do, so I had to make some decisions on what to do. Cameron's school was incredibly welcoming, and um, I started subbing, which allowed me to become more comfortable in the classroom. I joined a graduate program to become a teacher and I am now in my sixth
0: year of full-time teaching, teaching middle school now. So, here we are. So anyways, um, you know, a little bit more of our backgrounds. So we've lived in China, we lived in Shanghai for three years, we lived in Korea, a place called Jeju Island, which they call the Hawaii of Asia. It's not, it's beautiful, but it's not Hawaii. And I can tell you that it's not Hawaii because we also lived in Hawaii. So from Jeju, from Jeju we went to Hawaii where we were for the past three years, and now we are in Saudi Arabia. Um, we've been here a couple months, so for me, this is my fifth country. And for Anna, it's technically her fifth if you count the U.S. Uh, but you know, she's a U.S. citizen now, so I don't count it.
1: I count it. Uh, it's it's different. It's no, it's not. I'm pretty sure that all 50 states are completely different.
0: No, they're all the same. No. Anyways, um, so as we said, we're teachers. You know, it wasn't what I had initially planned on doing. Uh, my dad was a teacher. I didn't want to do it. But once I visited my friend, I saw that I could do teach while traveling. I thought, mm, hell, why not? Give it a shot, right? And so here we are, It's 15 years later, whatever it is, 16, since I first ventured. Um, to jump back a little bit, so our purpose really of this podcast is to start with, there's a lot of travel podcasts out there, and we do want to talk about travel, but we're also not people who are going to be traveling for our jobs and for a living um, so we will talk about the aspects of airlines and points and you know booking places and things like that but a bigger po- part of our focus is going to be as well as is is also going to be what it means to live abroad permanently as an expat as well as give any more insight as to what it means to be a teacher to teach abroad now, I don't want you to come teach abroad, because that means fewer jobs for me, so don't do that, <laughs> but that's still a goal. Um, and as we we get into it later on in some other podcasts we haven't planned out yet, this feels a lot like the interviews you may do when it comes to be a teacher.
1: Yeah, this is definitely not going to be a podcast for you to learn travel hacks to spend three months in Europe on $1,500 or something like that. I mean, it
0: might be sometimes.
1: It could we, be. We can help. It could be. We have be. plenty of experience. But... This is definitely more about the part of living abroad that may not necessarily be in the highlight reel of your Instagram feed, because travel is a part of our lives, and is a big part of our lives, but it's not our entire lives.
0: So, I'll talk a little bit about how we got into travel, right, I mentioned that I'd never been to another country before I was 20, I grew up not in Seattle. I'm not saying where, just because personal information, private, whatnot. If you watch this, all four of you, you know where I'm from anyway. Um, but, I, you know, I'd, I'd never seen the ocean at that same time. And so once I saw that there was more than just wheat fields out in the world, I thought, this is amazing. I want to go see it. So that's what I did. That's what really got me traveling. I thought, wow, there's all this other stuff out there. It's really cool. There's foods, There's smells, There's colors. There's cities, real cities, you know, with more than 50,000 people, which is a big city compared to where I grew up. 50,000 that is. Mine's way smaller. Um, and once I started I couldn't stop. And for some people that's not the case. Some people go and they say, okay, I'm gonna go do this and I'm done. I don't like it. It's uncomfortable. For me that wasn't the case. I wanted to go and I enjoy being, as I say, culturally uncomfortable. Uh, you know, and that changes. Your, your opinion of that can change as you get older too, which we'll get into later. But. Uh,
1: Yeah, I started with an idea of travel that was very different from what I do now. Um, I did want to see a lot of the world thanks to books and thanks to the news. I started regularly watching the news with my father when I was very young and that involved watching the world news and hearing about all of these places with these different things happening and of course through books you see all these landmarks and all these incredible things that have lasted through a long period of time and I wanted to see a lot of that. I didn't know how it was going to happen but I definitely wanted to see a lot of that and so I thought initially that that was probably going to be something that I did on vacation occasionally in small increments but over time and especially after I met Cameron and learned a little bit more about what life abroad could be like I saw that It could allow me to experience different places for longer periods of time and and really become more invested in in the way of life of different places. And so travel started to change and it was definitely a little bit less structured in a way. I started not being as okay as Cameron with being uncomfortable. I'm gonna leave it at that. But over time, I think I've, I've grown a lot as a traveler. I've become more patient, become a lot more relaxed, I'm a better flyer, and I think more comfortable with being uncomfortable,
0: which has been great. Part of the two is that when you're married for a long time, we've been married almost 10 years, is that habits rub off on each other. So my ability to be uncomfortable is rubbed off on her. Her ability to not like flying has rubbed off on me. Sorry. Um, so one of my greatest fears is dying in a plane crash while I'm in the toilet <laughs> with my pants down. It's one of my biggest fears. I don't be that guy that they find in the rubble they find the black box and they find me with my pants around my ankles and the you know, blue stuff everywhere. That's not good. I know it's not going to happen, <laughs> but it's still scary. Hey. Um, so, you know, I think we'll just dive right into, we'll start with maybe why we think people travel. Our initial goal is for this to be like 30 to 40 minutes. It probably won't be that long because I don't know that we can talk for that long initially. Um, but I'll, I'll talk about why I travel. why Well, a bit of both. For me, I think people travel because for two reasons. I think most people travel, three reasons, let me say three. I think most people travel because they want to say, oh, I've been there and I did that.
1: Secret, right?
0: A lot of Americans want to go to Europe and whatnot just because it's what people do.
1: Well, but even, even we do that, you know, there's always like that desire to have that travel stamp in your passport that nobody else has, kind of to be like the person that boldly goes a little bit. So yeah, I mean, there's, I wouldn't say that it's competition but definitely you know that, that whole yeah I've been there and I've done that and here's proof.
0: Okay. Um, so, th- Yeah that's kind of what I meant but I also just meant you know not that in-depth there's a lot of for, at least for Americans right um, in my opinion people I've met so that's one um, two is to see historical things and that's certainly a valid reason people want to go see you know Istanbul, and they go see the Hagia Sophia. Or they want to go see Big Ben or the uh, Eiffel Tower. They want to go see—I don't know—the uh, pyramids. The pyramids, sure. They want to go see Machu Picchu for historical reasons. And the other part is the third one would be to, for cultural reasons. People want to go and see new cultures, experience new cultures. Our ring light just turned off. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm hoping our camera is still running. We're filming with an iPad and it's facing the other way. It may be dead and maybe talking to nothing. <laughs> So, those are the three reasons that I think people travel, that they want to, they A, they just want to say they've been, B, they want to see historical things, and C, they want to experience new cultures. And for me, it's a combination of all three, it depends on where. I like to go to Asia, for example, for the cultures, and like the beaches, a lot of, I mean, there's, there's so many things in Asia, Asia is so varied. But, Asia for me is more cultural, Europe for me is not as cultural, it's historical and beautiful, and then, Certain places I just want to say I've been there that are, you know, a bit more exotic and not as common to travel. Um, Like maybe, I don't know. I don't know that I have many of those stamps in my passport.
1: I think at the end of the day it's just a matter of humans are inherently curious and some of us are more curious than others for some people their curiosity is perfectly satisfied in the environments that they're in for others it requires going to different places and experiencing different things and of course travel provides a lot of that and excuse me allows for a lot of that and yeah there's definitely an element of i want to see this for myself and i think that's one of the biggest reasons why people travel is because they want to see it with their own eyes. They want to produce that memory for themselves, not because they saw it in a video.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, you're talking to them. You're talking to me.
1: I'm talking to both. Okay. Should I, I not?
0: Well, I'm saying if you talk to me, look at me. I was. Sometimes. With my left eye. Okay. What? Um, you know. So you know. Those are the, those are really the three reasons that I like to travel. I don't know about you.
1: It's really a lot of it, you know, the the experience of of seeing different things and seeing different cultures. And um, for me, as as a history enthusiast and as a history teacher, it's a lot of walking those same steps that other people have walked in the things that I read in history books and the things that I know have happened over time. So, seeing some of those things that have changed the course of history and being in those same places, even though. For, for me, is incredibly powerful because I think it brings a little bit of more dimension to our present lives, knowing that one day someone's going to go to the places where we've lived and do that same thing and live those same events through the things that they see when they travel.
0: But she, When she says we, she doesn't mean us, because we're not important <laughs> enough. So, yes, I do. No, we're not important. No one's going to visit our spots. No one's going to go to my hometown and be like, that's where Cameron lived. You don't know that. I'm pretty positive. So <laughs> you don't know that. Even if we got like a million followers, no one's going to no go to our house. It <laughs> no doesn't gonna. matter. Well, I know, but I'm, just, I'm not saying it matters. I'm just saying we say we. It's the collective we as humankind, not we as in of our generation. That's a fair clarification. Yes. When I say personally. we,
1: I mean we yeah. as the people that inhabit this planet.
0: So, you know, and she's not wrong. You're not wrong. When you talk about what it's, you know, that leads us into sort of our next point, what it's done for us. And so, for example, a powerful place that I've been is in St. Petersburg. There's a museum, if you can call it that, it's one room, and I think it's in a subway station, in a metro, metro, as they say, right? And it's nothing but names on the wall, carved, etched in the wall, carved on the wall, and a metronome, and all it is is the names of everyone who died in St. Petersburg during World War II, during the Siege of Leningrad, when the Germans had uh, the city surrounded and cut off supplies for three years, and I don't remember how many thousands or millions of people died. But it's an incredibly moving place and sad and tragic. You know, one of the many horrors of World War II. But you know, it just makes you reflect on life. And so when I think about, we talk about our next topic. Because again, this is really a very short introductory podcast about what it's done for us. It opens up for me. Traveling opened up a mindset that. I didn't know existed. You know, as I said, I grew up in a really small town, um, to give you an idea of size, it was 1500 people. And it sounds fine, but it can be, well, anyways, it opened up my mind to all sorts of new possibilities and ways of thinking. You know, I began to look at my life in the U.S. through a different lens to see that, okay, we are very privileged in many of the things we have here that you realize that, oh, USA number one is not true. It's not that it's not true. As I was arguing with somebody on Reddit yesterday, not arguing, but someone was making that claim and many refuted it, myself included, that there is no number one country in the world. Each country has its merits, its pros and cons. You know, with living abroad, uh, you know, I value the US healthcare system in the sense that I know the quality is generally going to be good quality but it's not cheap, it's not effective for many people. Um, as a teacher, I know that I don't really want to teach in a U.S. public school because it's poorly underfunded and it's just poor in general. I mean, U.S. public schools compared to other developed countries just isn't good, aren't good. But at the same time, we have a lot of freedoms. That other, We have great freedom of speech that you might not have, say, when we lived in China. You can't say what you want in China on the Internet. They're going to censor you or arrest you.
1: There's definitely been uh, an appreciation of, of the fact that people are living their lives and people are thriving in their lives in different places in the world regardless of their circumstances. There's no such thing as a place where everything is perfect. At the end of the day, people are just trying to do the best they can with the resources that they have and they can find different levels of happiness in that way which for me which had a very limited idea about where i could be happy in the world that concept has kind of disappeared for me i travel with my own ability to be happy and i can build the life that i want in the vast majority of places where i go because it's not necessarily as tied to the place it's tied to what i make out of the place and so each place represents a new opportunity, Each living environment represents a new experience, and and I think that's one of the great gifts of travel, is that every time you do it, it's a chance to do it better, it's a chance to learn something new, it's a chance to have a new experience.
0: Sure, yeah, I I think so. So, you know, those are some big ideas of what it's done for us, um, as far as traveling goes, Um, but there's a lot of other things it does for us on a more personal level, in terms of, because of what we do. Right. And we might, I don't know, we'll just touch on that today briefly, you know, as teachers living abroad, we get a lot of perks, and the U.S. is one of the few places in the world where you get taxed on income, no matter where you are, but when you're making money in another country, there are provisions that allow you to pay tax, local taxes, or in our case, oftentimes employers help with that. Um, so then we don't necessarily pay in income tax back home, because it's against U.S. law, double taxation. So that's, you know, anyways, we're not going into detail. though. You know, money, um, please you know,
1: report your taxes. Okay. Americans did. have to report on their worldwide income you do, to report, do yeah. report. So yes, please talk to a, tax, so, to a tax professional before you decide to do anything about your taxes. Thank For you.
0: us permanently <laughs> living abroad, money is a big issue. We can make, we can make and save more when we live abroad. You know, we have a housekeeper. We've had a housekeeper for a number of years that we can't afford back home. And that's great because I don't like doing dishes. I don't like yeah. cleaning
1: bathrooms.
0: That too. Um, you know, we get more resources usually as teachers, as educators. And we'll have some podcasts dedicated to what it means to be an international teacher as well. Uh, but, you know, so we get, we get a bit more resources. We get a chance to meet uh, people from places that we never would have met. You know, I have more Canadian and British and Scottish friends and a few Aussie friends as well and Kiwis, I guess. Zimbabweans? A few Zimbabweans. Zimbabweans.
1: Zimbabweans. Uh,
0: I don't like this. That's okay. Zimbabweans, I don't know. What, I don't know proper term. Um, Why
1: are Heidi, the Heidi,
0: if you're watching this, Heidi and Roy, sorry, uh, Heidi and um, i sorry, I can't remember your husband's name. Stewart, Stewart. Um, so you know, those are just some more like day-to-day things rather than bigger mindset of what it's done for us. Plus, when you live abroad, it's so much easier to travel.
1: Absolutely.
0: Uh, so, you know, when we think about other people what it can do for you it's a lot of the same things if you're willing to put in the time you when you go to another country I you can take tours take a tour but also venture out on your own when you're in a tour everything you see is going to be finely curated so you see the best of everything that's not to say things can't go wrong on tours or see something different but you're only going to see really what the guides want you to see and that's fine sometimes you know but other times take a step out Go someplace different. You know, we went, when we lived in China. Yeah, we went to the Great Wall, but my father was there, so we didn't venture out beyond the touristy part, the rebuilt part. Whereas you can go out and see other places of the wall that haven't been rebuilt, that are ancient and just really cool. And we didn't get the opportunity to do that, and that's okay. But that's an example of, you know, something that is a little off the beaten path. You get to see more of the culture, more of the people, and they're more appreciative of that, too, the people that live there. And that's a big part of travel as well, is respecting the people and the places that you are at. So we think it's a chance for, the same as it's done for us, to open up your mind, right? Agreed. And start to think differently about the world. Is you know We've left the U.S. just a couple months ago at one of its most polarized, not most polarized times since we've been alive. I mean, it's crazy. It's we're, not, we're not been, going to go into politics. Though. It's
1: definitely been something interesting to see, especially as, a newly naturalized
0: citizen, but yes. So we think it can be the same for you. Just traveling in general, right? You know, if you're scared, start easy. Go, if you're from the U.S., that's what is going to be my reference point. Go to Mexico. Mon- eh, go to Montreal. Okay, Montreal fine. I mean, you can go to Mexico, but if you go to Mexico, don't go to the beach. Go to Mexico City. Okay. Hey, the beaches or beaches and resorts are great. Don't get me wrong. I love a good beach resort. But they're also easy. Yeah, right.
1: sometimes that is the vacation that you need, and that's totally fine, it has its time and place. But sometimes it's a probably a good idea to do a vacation different than what you need, or I, what you think I, you
0: need. I also recommend, and that's why I said Montreal, go someplace where you don't speak the language. Or rather where it's not your first language, right? Yeah. So London's fine, England, Scotland, Ireland, great. But Australia, well Australia maybe go to. it's a long flight, and everything there can kill you, so maybe.
1: But we'll about
0: the animals. The animals, although they can kill you with drinks too. Those guys, <laughs> pretty much are animals when they drink in. Yeah, you can, drink. You, you have there.
1: to be prepared.
0: Only the Russians will drink more, in my opinion. Anyway, so you go to Montreal, someplace that's close. It's Canada. I mean, it's Canada. Canada's great, but they're going to speak French, and if you don't speak French, it might be a little bit harder, even though they'll mostly speak English as well. So start somewhere that you're going to be comfortable with, but not hundred percent comfortable. That's what I would say.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a good place to start or maybe if it's a place that you could be potentially comfortable with, um, start by maybe staying in a place different than what you would normally stay or deciding to take a walking tour instead of just joining a guided excursion, maybe just grabbing a map and following a route that is suggested on the internet. Usually for most cities there will be walking tour um, routes that are planned out and you can just follow them along and then just do your own exploration if you are not quite ready to go somewhere where you are absolutely off the rails uncomfortable.
0: So also if you're younger, more adventurous, stay in a hostel, right? You meet so many people in hostels um, rather than a hotel or an Airbnb. If you're with a friend, stay in a hostel, okay? You meet, they usually have get togethers in the evenings, uh, you might stay in a 20-bed dorm room with, you know, 15 other people, which, admittedly, is not the most ideal of situations. But if you're young and you don't care, do it. It's a great experience, and like I said, you meet a lot of people.
1: Yeah, I remember one time we went to Japan and stayed in a the hostel. Um, there, we arrived on a Friday, and on Fridays they happened to do um, kind of like a cultural exchange kind of party where they invited people from the community that wanted to practice English and kind of mingle with the, with the guests. They served soup and it was just kind of, here's your bowl of soup, go talk to people. And it was, it was a fantastic night. We had just arrived, but we had a lot of fun and met some people that later took us to some local places in Osaka, recommended some places to go to. It was, it was a great start to our trip and it's, it happened because we stayed in a hostel.
0: And immediately though, too, it depends on what kind of trip you're looking for. And we haven't done hostels as much as of late. Um, Mostly because, you know, I'm old old enough now where I won't stay in a dorm room hostel. You've never stayed in a dorm room hostel. Yes, I have. Where? In Canada. With how many other people? Us? Yeah, but I mean with like 15 other people. Oh, no, I have not. Yeah, where it's just a bunch of strangers in a room. No, I have not. That can be great, but it can also be terrible. I had a friend who'd been peed on, um, and, you know, people come in drunk and whatnot. It's okay. But at the point now, I'm at the point now where I have to, I prefer a private room and preferably a private bathroom and shower, but that's not the be all end of. Um, but I, we've also stayed myself personally and us together in some pretty rinky dink places. Yes. Um, anyways.
1: Some, some fire hazards. So, but you know, right
0: now though too is, and we'll talk about this in another podcast, but the concept of COVID has changed things a lot too. Right now I wouldn't stay in a dorm hostel just because I wouldn't want to be sleeping in the same room with the possibility of getting COVID um, so that's an issue for me at the moment and you know we're gonna we're planning a trip to a few places Dubai coming up Paris and Ireland hopefully um, over our holiday break and we're seeing family and uh, we're not staying in hostels this time and that's okay because that's not the that's not the trip we're looking for it's going to be more of our you know see family and then a bit more of a, our uh, anniversary trip so it's just for us um, that said, I highly recommend hostels. Um, and so like, that comes back to the point of what can it do for you? Well, it can help you meet people. I've met my best friends all abroad, whether they're from the U.S. or from other countries, and they're the people I talk to. Some people have high school friends that they talk to, that's great. I don't, and that's okay too. Um, so you're going to meet just amazing people. And that's one of my favorite things about living abroad. And travel well. Traveling. I say traveling.
1: Yeah, you definitely kind of start building. I know this sounds super corny, but you start kind of building like this globally spread out tribe. That no matter where you go, there's kind of like this spider web of people that know your friend and have a friend of a friend. And so, in many ways, it's it over time as you travel more, it's it's almost impossible to go to a place where you really don't know anyone because. That's the other thing about about traveling, is that people are really, for the most part, happy to jump in with recommendations, connect you with other people that they know that can help you out. And so in that way, it's kind of like such a broader sense of community than what you build when you are only stuck in one place most of the time.
0: Yeah, I think when you're just traveling for travel's sake, like a lot of the travel bloggers, that's a bit, bit more difficult to build up. Um, for us living abroad, and the friends that we have also live abroad, um, it's a little bit easier to build up that worldwide community of people that you know closely yes. versus people that you maybe hung out with for a week. Yeah. Um, you know, we have friends living in Africa, we have friends living in...
1: Asia, South in America. In China,
0: Japan, Korea, Indonesia, um, yeah. Hungary, yeah. Um, Switzerland, used to have some in Mexico not anymore Costa Rica you know the UK everywhere and those are people that we've taught with and we've met people abroad that live other people that live other places you know they're from there but um, so another thing you could do too is couch surfing and I know it's still around and it it's can be great if you are young and flexible I've both stayed on couches and served as a couch host I wouldn't do it anymore it's again I'm it's past my day. Usually it's younger people who want to go out and party and whatnot, and um, that's great. But also now
1: in the world of COVID, again, like everything that we knew about travel has to be re-examined under the lens of COVID and how rules are changing everywhere and all of that.
0: Yeah. So anyways, travel can do a lot for you. It can open up your mind, help you meet people. You get to see some amazing historical things. Um, You know, for me, one of the coolest things I've ever seen was Troy, the city of Troy. And it's not much to behold, it's just ruins. It's, but it's you know 2,500 years old and it's pretty cool to see where maybe uh, Hector and Achilles fought. Maybe, if it was real. Probably wasn't, but what are you gonna do? It's okay.
1: It's still amazing to see how things survive for so long and again, you know, retrace those footsteps and see all those things that you've read in books.
0: So those are some of the pros that we think traveling has. Uh, We'll touch briefly on some of the cons, as well as some of the cons of being an expat. Um, so one of the first, the probably the biggest um, thing that prohibits people from traveling is cost. Like, it's not cheap. Like Plane tickets can be expensive, as can places to stay. But as we've mentioned, hostels can be cheap. Now, well, I haven't mentioned that, that, but you can get a hostel in a major city for 12, 13 bucks a night. They may not be the best hostels, but you can bump it up to 25 and get maybe a nice room. Um, Sometimes I'll offer breakfast. I stayed at one in Paris, it was a private room, uh, me and my friend, and the beds weren't great by any stretch, but they offered croissants and jam and jelly in the morning and some coffee, and that was great, and it was $14 a night. That's nice. That was in 2007, mind you, but still, it was great.
1: Yeah, cost is definitely an an impediment for a lot of people, and we realize that being able to travel as much as we do is definitely something that we're privileged to do. It doesn't mean that it's not doable. Depending on where you are geographically, there are trips that will definitely take a lot longer to save for and plan for, because especially airfare can be very, very expensive, and the distances that you might have to travel depending on where you have to go are pretty great but definitely there's room for offsetting your costs. So if you know that you're gonna pay a lot for airfare, then maybe find accommodation where you can cook so you can save on meals, that kind of thing. Or if you know that your airfare is going to to be cheaper, then you know that you can maybe splurge in other areas. Definitely something that can be accomplished with some planning and with some keen eye for, for possibilities and looking at deals, looking at things like points in your different rewards programs that financial institutions have and that kind of thing. But, but cost, cost is, a big, is a big impediment, but it's not something that could be entirely prohibited.
0: No, I don't think so. And we'll have other podcasts. We'll, we'll probably dedicate at least one podcast to cost of traveling. And you know, a lot of people talk about, there used to be all these, oh, how to get deals and whatnot. And there's still some sites like Scott's Cheap Flights, I think it is. Yes. Um, I've never used it, mostly because it's based out of the US. And um, I've never lived in anywhere in the U.S. where they worked, like Hawaii. Uh, but, you know, the, the deals anymore, it, it's not, you just look. Like, Kayak used to be this hidden gem or Skyscanner or um, what was the one with the chipmunk? Hipmunk? Hipmunk. Hipmunk, which I, have not, I haven't even looked at in years at this point. I didn't. But, I don't like, I don't know if it exists. Kayak used to be just kayak. we book on there, but now it redirects you to all these other sites that you've never, ever heard of and would never, ever hear of. Unless you absolutely were looking at the bottom of the barrel on Google. So, you know, I think deals, people talk about, oh, travel deals. Eh, I don't know that those really exist anymore. You're going to find what you're going to find. And you just have to look at the right times. You know, different websites do offer you, um, you know, opportunities to look at travel dates when they're going to be, uh, when tickets are going to be highest, lowest. And there's still tricks you can do, like change your IP address or private windows. Um, sorry for my arm, Our light keeps going off but that's for another time but cost can be a big um, impediment. impediment for many people traveling the other one that we'll talk about for general travel is anxiety and it's scary to go somewhere some people are scared of flying um, some people are scared of getting sick abroad like that's me, I don't like getting sick in other countries it's terrifying I've been to doctors in other countries and it's not always fun it's her country? uh uh-uh. uh <laughs> like, you and
1: I have very different perceptions about doctors and how okay it is.
0: Tubes running on the ground. Stop it. And there were tubes on the ground.
1: Oh my God. Whether or not? Do you really want to go into this whole thing?
0: No, but okay. just let me know that there was tubes running on, there were tubes on the ground going oh, into geez. buckets. All right, fine. Th- was, what am I wrong though?
1: I was more concerned with other things happening.
0: Fair enough, but that was, am I wrong? Were there tubes on the ground?
1: I don't think you're wrong.
0: Okay. It just didn't seem as sanitary as I would have wanted it to be. Fair enough. Anyways, so anxiety can be a big impediment, whether it's flying, whether it's getting sick, whether it's something happening to a family member, um, whether it's your family members having anxiety about you going, being worried. You know, that's a big one for my parents, because I'm an only child. They worry about me abroad. And those are just things that you learn to live with. There's no real good solution to that. There isn't. You know, flying... Flying's safe. Like, you are far more likely, while you listen to this in your car, to die driving right now if you're listening to this than you ever will on a plane. You have a better chance of being struck by lightning, mathematically, than dying on a plane.
1: Surprisingly, that fact is one of the things that has helped me the most with my fear of flying. I just keep repeating to myself flying is incredibly safe statistically there are so many more million times that I need to fly before something happens so I'm gonna be okay I know it's a terrible way to calm yourself down but it really has helped me a lot just got to put my faith in the math
0: like I'm way more scared of getting into an uber in any country than I am of flying I don't trust other people behind the wheel
1: well in some countries people do drive in rather questionable ways I don't, so, it doesn't so doesn't matter yes, what that's country United
0: scary. States doesn't matter it's terrifying to me. <laughs> Um, And so, you know, there's, like I said, there's anxiety, again, this doesn't matter the country, but you get into an Uber and I'm I'm constantly watching the map to make sure that they're A, not taking a route that's going to, you know, cost me extra money, or B, take me somewhere, take me somewhere and rob me. But that's part of being traveling, of traveling too, is you you be vigilant of your surroundings, mindful of uh, what you have on you. You know, I've been pickpocketed, we've been held at gunpoint, I've seen people get shot. In my travels, but a hasn't deterred me. Don't let it deter you, okay? Um, Because those are very rare things to have happen. It doesn't mean bad things don't happen, and you won't be the victim of a scam. And each country has their own scams that they run, the U.S. included. Plenty of grifters. So anxiety is a big one. Uh, That's just for kind of general travel. Those are the two biggest hindrances, I think. Now, for us as expats and as teachers, one of the biggest cons of traveling is leaving family behind. For a lot of people, that's scary. Uh, It's hard to leave. I struggle with that because again, I'm an only child. My parents are older, my father lives alone, and that's scary, okay?
1: You also miss out on a lot of the things that your family goes through, good and bad. I've missed- And
0: friends, not just family, but friends too.
1: We've missed countless weddings, graduations, funerals, birthdays, Christmases. We've missed a lot and sometimes it's really hard to reconcile that reality but it's one of those things where you make decisions on, based on what matters the most to you and I'm not saying that family doesn't matter, it definitely does but it's, it's kind of one of those things that, where you decide where you want to spend your time and where you want to live your years and that does mean sometimes that you're going to miss things because if you're at home all the time with your family, then you are going to miss on some experiences that you could have if you lived elsewhere. So things kind of kind of offset each other somehow.
0: Yeah. So you miss out on stuff and that part can be hard. Um, and then as when you work abroad too, uh, you know, maybe I, you know, I can only speak to the education, education community, but it's a very transitory thing. People come and go. People might work with you for two years. You might form a really close friendship. And then they leave. Or you might come in, form a close relationship with somebody, and then move on yourself. So that part can be crappy. I think the Foreign Service is
1: similar since you're in like two or three year posts. So again, the same kind of transitory crap
0: character. So right now we're in Saudi where there's plenty of oil people who have been here for five plus years. So you know, I wouldn't say that characterizes everybody living and working abroad. But that part can be sucky. But you also then end up with friends all over the world. You can go visit and see. Um, and you get to meet a lot of new people on a rotational basis, which is nice.
1: You do learn to appreciate the time that you have with people because there's always that kind of awareness of this could be this person's last year here. So we we want to we wanna share the time that we have with our good friends and, and get to know people at, at the best level that you can. Um, being an expat and definitely being a teacher, you're definitely forced to step out of your comfort zone and meet people even if you don't want to <laughs> because while you are here and you're away from your family the people that you work with are your family the people that you work with are your friends and if you consciously isolate yourself then you know your experience is going to be much less rewarding so it definitely puts you in a place where yeah you are you you have to be open to to meeting people but most of the time that's an incredibly rewarding experience
0: Indeed. Alright, so we're gonna wrap it up um, and call it good for this one. Our next podcast, we will be talking more about uh, living abroad rather than just traveling. Um, we'll talk more about what we just spoke about, about working, retirement, at least from an education perspective, um, things like that. So, until next time, pa da ba bum pa ba ba ba. That's it for our podcast. Thank you for joining us. Until next
1: time.
0: Yeah, but you can't stop it right away otherwise you have no time yeah. to um add music and that kind of stuff